What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 17 of Lynch with a Leader, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have led with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you as we all are seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the places that God has put us. I remember it was a few years ago. I had a very good friend of mine you'll meet in a later episode named Kevin Burrell. Kevin called me and goes, Lynch, I've read a book. You got to get this book. And Kevin, in fact, delivered me a copy of that book. And the book was called Lead for God's Sakes. I remember I sat down with that book, never had heard of the author, but I couldn't put the book down. And it was a fable. It was a story about a coach who had lost the reason why he coached. I remember getting done with that book, calling Kevin, going, man, that's one of the greatest things I've ever read. I ended up buying one for all the local uh, coaches in our community. Kevin bought them for coaches in his community. And it was a book I remember telling every coach, if you read this book, it will be your why of why you're coaching. The author's name was Todd Gongwer. Todd's gone on to become a very good friend of mine and a special uh, a special voice not only in my life, but in the lives of a lot of people. And I tell you what, Todd is a guy who's out there making a difference. You are going to love this episode with Todd. Todd's on the front lines working with coaches. Todd's on the front line working with leaders through his company. But Todd is a guy that gets it. And here's what he gets about leadership. Leadership all begins with the heart. So I want you to pull up a chair and I want you to listen in and take some good notes to my time with author, speaker, leader, but even more importantly, a very good friend, Mr. Todd Gongwer. Well, Todd, it is a blessing and an honor, buddy, to get to join you today and to spend a little bit of time talking about spiritual leadership. Well, thank you, Mike. It's awesome to be here and and uh, have the opportunity to share with you, man. You know, it was just a few years ago, Todd, I had a good friend, a mutual friend of ours named Kevin, uh, Kevin Burrell, pass your book on to me, Lead for God's Sake. I want to talk about that book here in a few minutes, but I want you to go back a little bit. How many years had that been put on your heart to put that into a book? Had that been a long journey, Todd, that, that a lot had gone on to, to help you get to that book? Um, interestingly, it was, only, it was actually about three years prior that I felt a really, I mean, I just felt a real strong tug on my heart that this was supposed to be, that what I was doing was supposed to be put in this book format. And, and even at that time, I really, I had no idea it was going to be in the form of a parable, and I didn't even know maybe the details of what all would come out in that book. But I was, I had spent, I was in the middle of actually um, a stint with a large organization where I was working with um, helping to transform a culture. And uh, it, was a, it was a pretty rough um, manufacturing company culture with 13 plants around the country. And uh, it originally was private equity owned, eventually was a, became a public company bought by our largest competitor. So it was, I was kind of in the midst of watching a lot of those principles um, flesh out and practicing them and putting them in, you know, into real life situations. And as I continued to see how powerful, um, you know, from what I was seeing, it was God working, obviously. Um, but uh, it was really, there was just really a lot of amazing results taking place. And so people continue to go, wow, this is, I mean, you should put it in a book, you should put it in a book. You should put it. So it, literally about three years prior to having the season where I actually had the time to write without giving up my family and everything else, um, I felt like it was really on my heart that, Todd, you're supposed, to, you're, you're supposed to write this at some point in your life. And so a year and a half after that, I felt like God kind of laid the title on my heart and again, I didn't know all the detail of what was going to be in it, but I just knew I was supposed to write it. So yeah, three years, then a year and a half, and then finally had the season where it was clear that, okay, Todd, you're actually supposed to start 
getting on your keyboard and see if this thing will come out. You know, it's funny. I, I looked back at your journey, Todd, and, and, you know, some people put on a hat and that is their hat. They they wear this hat and this is their career and they strive and build in this one industry. You've, you've put on multiple hats during the years. Give everybody a little taste of some areas of leadership that you've served in through the years. Definitely a jack of all trades and master of none. Um, no doubt. I have, uh, um, it's been an, an amazing journey. When you look back and especially with what I'm doing now, um, it was such, it was, it's to me, it's amazing to look back at how God was equipping me way before I had any clue of what I was being equipped for. Um, I loved sports and grew up playing all kinds of sports when I was young, passionate about basketball. So I had, some awesome sports experiences growing up and even into my teen and young 20 years. Um, I was able to become a, a small college basketball assistant coach. Um, I did that for over a decade where we had some tremendously successful years, um, tremendously successful runs in the, uh, in the nineties because it was an NAIA school, you know, I kept my day job and I had grown up as a part of a family business. So you know, I grew up at a very young age working in and around the family business and watching the dynamics of leadership all the time, whether it was through my grandfather, my father, and eventually myself and my brothers. Um, and so, you know, I had that family business uh, experience and then kind of going out on my own where I had my own business experience where I was the owner and had to make the, the decisions. And then eventually um, a private equity owned company where I had leadership, you know, the experiences in there and then eventually a public company. So both the sports and the business world, man, just a, a ton of really cool things that, you know, in hindsight, those things were shaping, you know, not only my mind, but ultimately, ultimately my heart in terms of what, um, what the true foundation uh, in all those situations from leadership needed to be built upon. So it was, it was awesome experiences. Um, never a dull moment. No, 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 never a dull moment. You know, now I was watching that parallel track of business sports, but somewhere faith entered into this journey and, and took those great life experiences that you were having and those things that you'd been passed down from your family and faith began to weave in. What, what's your faith journey been like, Todd? Um, you know, I grew up uh, as a part of, I mean, you know, I grew up in a, in a Christian home. So I was going to church. Um, I tell people all the time, I mean, I was in, Sunday morning used to be, you know, you go into Sunday school, then you go to the church service and you hang out for an hour and talk or the parents talk to everybody, you know, and then you go home and, and, and really within uh, just, it seemed like just a few hours, we were back in church again for the evening Sunday school course. And then the, the, the regular church service that night. And so it was, it was at least five, six hours on Sundays and Wednesday nights. And, you know, but at the same time, um, it wasn't, uh, you know, like I think a lot of people, um, you grow up, you learn all the scripture and the verses and the stories and things like that. But in a lot of cases, we can get out of balance one way or the other, both going down that legalistic, you know, track where we're, where we're seeing everything as everything as rules and rituals and you gotta do this, gotta do this, gotta do this, can't do this, can't do this. Or the other one where it's all about, you know, it's just all about grace nothing. There's no accountability. There's no works. There's nothing. And, and, for me, um, I experienced probably both of those sides, uh, and it was, but it wasn't until like later on in my life where I really, actually at the age of 32, where I kind of had a, just an eye-opening experience where I feel like God really, um, I had been pursuing, you know, success in all of my, all of the things that I was going after, all of the experiences I was having. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to climb the ladder. I want to have, you know, success at the, at the very, you know, at the very height of what, how success could be defined in this world, unfortunately. And through those times, I more often than not was pursuing those things at the expense of the most important things in life and what, you know, the foundational aspect of, of who God truly had, had designed me to be and why God truly had me here on this earth. And so in 32, I really, you know, I, I had a number of things that kind of led to this, but I just kind of had a, a reawakening where God opened my eyes to, you know, the importance of the ultimate relationship with Christ and how he designed us or how he created us to, you know, 
I guess, experienced that relationship and a lot to a large extent through the healthy relationships with others, both in the body and as we're reaching outside of the body. And so I, you know, at that time really would tell you that, you know, I had a number of times where I'd say the roller coaster, you know, I was in the dry spots of the desert, you know, and then in the climbing back up the mountain. And, you know, I can go back to at the age 14 where I had kind of that experience and in my young 20s kind of had that experience, but really 32, God really opened my eyes saying, this has got to be different. And you've got to start not just about just some crazy purpose that you've come up with because you're passionate about it, but you've got to live from the ultimate purpose of why I had you have you here more than anything else, which it begins with that relationship thing with him and with all those he's put in your life. So that was the real spiritual, um, bigger than any other time in my life where I felt like God just said, this is, this is the track, Todd, um, of a life of peace more than anything else. Mm. So. so you merge that faith in with your own experiences in life. What changed about your leadership? What, what changed about how you went about what you were doing Monday through Saturday when you took that faith component at 32 and you blended that in with the life experiences you had? What changed about you? Well, there was a bunch of things. Uh, I mean, my, my, um, I think I, I, I know I got a lot more serious about my prayer time. And, and, and when I say prayer time, not just, um, you know, sitting down and going through my list of, I need this, I need this, I need this, pray for this, pray for that, you know, but really, you know, carving out specific time to really listen to God and be quiet and slow down and not allow God, not allow life and especially life pursuits to take you away from that consistently. So I, I, I that was a, and that's always a work in process because even today, it's still a battle. Yep. Um, but that really changed in my life at that time. I, I tell people, too, I really s- learned to surrender my position in life. Um, I think, you know, there is such a, and especially it's, it's not getting any better in our culture. There is such a constant um, pull to all of us for you. You have to get to this next spot. You have to be, you know, if you're not getting to this next spot or getting to this next, building this platform bigger, getting this much more. I mean. And, and I understand there's a part of that natural wiring that, that is not wrong. It's not inherently wrong. God made us the way he made us, you know, for a reason. So it's not all wrong. But for me, at that time, I had to just really recognize that, you know, God wants us to live from the foundation of that purpose every day, right where we are, and not get so caught up in the when I get to, as soon as I get to, then I'll, you know, do this or do that. And it was just one of those things where I kind of, I, I remember just kind of throwing my hands up in the air and going, okay, I don't really even know what you want me to do, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of my career path. Um, but I know the biggest thing is, is I'm going I'm to wake up every morning and pursuing obedience and I'm going to trust the doors that you open are the ones I'm supposed to go into. Instead of prior to that point, I had really, um, gosh, I had, I had, uh, you know, I mean, I, <laughs> I had run into a lot of brick walls and my, my, uh, wiring was just keep knocking your head against those brick walls until they fall down, Todd, and just go, 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 you know? And at that point I finally, you know, I feel like I learned to, um, look more for the doors that he was opening and trust those doors, um, trust his timing and man, learning the patience to do that and learning it's, like I said, it's still a process, but um, I hope uh, I, I can tell you that that as I look back at the relationships along the way, and at least in what I've felt has been obedience, um, I, I don't have the regrets that I know I would have had I not changed those things. So, and now you work with tons of leaders. You work with leaders through the Cardio Transformation Group across all kinds of platforms, from the business and marketplace to coaches. And I know you were sort of known as the coach of coaches. What are common things you find sort of across the gamut that is normal for leaders to struggle with? What are common things you're running into, Todd? Well, I think, again, um, I'll go back to, you know, our our pursuit of success, our, our pursuit of the best over your best is becoming 
you know, almost, uh, it, it can become very addictive. I should say that, you know, um, I'm sure you've, nothing succeeds like success. Often we, we, the more we have, the more we want. And, um, I think it's, you know, you see this all the time coaches. And I think this is what resonates a lot of times with the, the message and like core message in the book is so many get so caught up and again, um, trying to achieve this, this success that a lot of times they lose sight of perspective and lose sight of really staying true to, okay, now what's this really about? Every coach in America, if you ask them today, why do you coach? One of the top two or three reasons they're going to give you as well, it's about the kids. And yet I can tell you that every coach in America that's actually won games <laughs> at some point has struggled with that, keeping that perspective yep. in place. Yes, it's about the kids, but this really frustrates me that I didn't, you know, <laughs> and I can't, you know, and, and the, I, I always talk about the, you know, the, the monster comes out yep. and, and I, I get it. I'm, I'm an extremely intense by nature person and I still coach uh, my kids all the time. And over the years as I've coached my kids, it's a, I mean, it's something that I have to constantly go back to is keeping, you know, staying true to the proper perspective. Why am I really doing this? And I think, I think leaders in business, just like leaders in sports, just like leaders um, in, in um, full-time ministry, you know, in the church world, it's, it's a struggle that I don't think any leader um, doesn't battle at some point. If you're, if you're driven, you want to succeed, you And that lose sight of the bigger picture. It's a daily battle. So yeah. What what can you do? What do you find some of those that get it? Some of those that are that seem to do better. Because I think everybody will always struggle with perspective. I think all of us do. But what are traits you you've seen of guys that go that you go, man, they get it. What are what are some things you find? in common about those people that are able to keep that proper perspective? Well, I think, I think first, obviously this is a, I mean, you know, you, you go to the person and there's a consistency in whether it's time in the word or time in prayer, both or to get, I mean, there's a consistency in um, separating themselves from the rest of the world and, and really trying to, to, to be, um, you know, to be quiet. Um, I think the other thing that is, you know, just absolutely critical and that, and that it's, it's really, really difficult, particularly the more success you have. And that is, uh, surround yourself with a certain number of people to, to help hold you accountable. It's, it's the Joe thing. Everybody needs a Joe. And yet I, I believe, you know, it's really popular nowadays to talk about, you know, finding a mentor or having a mentor. I think it's really talk, you know, even, even with coaching, life coaching, whatever. it's a very popular thing. What I think is not in my experience anyways, what I think is not necessarily as popular is, is people really going to the depths of their heart in the transparency and the vulnerability of those relationships or within those relationships, I should say. You know, are we really asking the tough questions? Are we really trying to root out these things in our lives that continuously can can rear their ugly heads, so to speak, and um, become very destructive in our relationships? And, and ultimately, if they're destructive in our relationships, it's destructive in our purpose. Mm -hmm. I mean, because that's, again, um, I tell people all the time, I say, you can go in a closet and with your Bible. And you can pray and read your Bible every day, all day long for the next 10 years. And I can promise you one thing. Uh, if, if you could see him, got to be sitting outside the closet going, what are you doing? Yep. <laughs> because at some point I got you out here. I got all these people out here waiting. Yep. You know, so, so don't think you can do that without, you know, the, the relationship aspect of things. And so I think, you know, the genuine finding of Joe is absolutely um, critical. And Joe was, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, because people ask me all the time, who is, who is the Joe in your life or who is like that? And I said, well, 
unfortunately, really nobody. Um, he was at another level, but you know, he's who I'm striving to be, and and he's who I hope I can encourage others to try to be and emulate too. In terms of a person that really, you know, gives up their gives up their schedule, gives up their successes, quote unquote, the worldly stuff, to really genuinely pour into others. That's that's hard to find. So. Yeah, it is hard to find. I want I want to dive in on that for a second. That word vulnerability. That's an interesting word, and it definitely comes out in the book. And I think that was one of the things that drew me, uh, especially when I was reading and and you get in the story and you get involved in the parable and and every person who loves athletics, which I do, you you find yourself in the story. But yet there's this amazing power that comes when somebody finally empties the wagon and they go, I don't have it all together. Things aren't good at home. Things aren't going great. Why do you find, we'll, we'll specifically talk about men here for a second. Why do you think it's so hard for a man to be completely vulnerable with another man or with a mentor or with a coach? Because it is easy to check in with somebody. That's easy. But it's it's a whole nother thing when we throw our hands up and go, man, it, it just didn't work and, and I'm not doing well. Why is that so hard? <laughs> I'm not sure if I have the answer to that. That is a, it's a loaded question. I think, I mean, again, it's, it's a lot of it is our nature. I think a lot of it is our culture. We are in a culture, <clears throat> you know, one of the things I talk to teams a lot about is this thing of competing versus completing. Mm. And we are, we are so bent in our culture to compete for everything. And, and, Again, it's not bad in and of itself. Um, we wouldn't sports wouldn't be what it is if if competing were wrong. It's not wrong in and of itself, but it's become so um, prevalent and in just about every aspect of society today. It, whether it's a job, whether it's your family, whether it's I mean, you know, there's this persona that everyone is it feels like they have to to stay up with the Joneses, so to speak, and. Um, so it's hard. It's especially hard for a man to, to go, I don't have it all together and I need help. And that's, you know, there's, it's almost like there's, we see so much of the opposite. Now, if we could look behind the curtain, if we could look behind the curtain of the most successful people in America. And, and I'll say we could take them in, in the category of education. We could take them in the category of the, of the church world. We could take them in the category of, of, sports or business, any of those. And if we could really look behind the curtain, you know, in the highest percentage of those leaders, I mean, they're struggling, they're battling something. And, um, you know, the problem is, is the higher up they go, the more success you have, the more I think internally the enemy tries to convince us that you've got a, a persona to uphold here. You cannot let the truth out here. And um, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's sad. Uh, I, have a, I have a group of guys that I meet with every Saturday morning and we have no agenda. It's a group of Christian guys. We, we started doing this about three years ago. We have no agenda. Um, pray together. We talk about what we should be praying for each other on. And it's amazing when you do engage in groups like that. And you get a few guys in there and, and I keep it, I say, it's gotta be small. I mean, obviously we're, we're usually, there's nine of us. It's usually about six or seven of us that are there every Saturday. But um, I can tell you that over the years, there's been multiple, multiple times where at least one of us, if not more of us are, are breaking down in tears as we're talking about, here's what I'm dealing with, with my family. Here's what I'm struggling with. And that's been one of the most powerful um, sources of encouragement in my life. And I know for those guys too, is just having that safe place where, you know what, we got, we got to learn to be more real so that we can really come along alongside of each other in a, in a genuine, in a genuinely real way, um, to pray for each other. So 
I don't know if that answered your question. No, that's good. A bunch that's of different good. directions. No, no, no. Well, I, I don't think anybody's mastered it, you know, and I think Brene Brown, I think is the hot topic. You know, that's her hot topic right now is, is vulnerability and really how even as leaders, if we, cho- if we can choose to be vulnerable, our people desire to follow better because they know that we're real. They know that we're authentic, but there's a balance, you know, how far, how far is too far? What do I say? What do I not say? You know, and that, that gets me into, even into the book, you're the, the bottom line in the book. And if you haven't read lead for God's sakes, go get it. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. Cause it is a, it is a must read for every coach. I remember years ago, Todd and I met, actually, we bought it for every coach in this part of our County, every head football coach and basketball coach. And we sent it out to every one of them because if they could get, if they could get that, it would change how they coach. What would you want, based on everything you've learned, Todd, writing the book, working with coaches, working with leaders, what is something you wish every coach knew? If you could if you could spend time with every coach in America, and I think even business leaders or coaches, if but these guys that are leading athletic teams, especially on the high school and collegiate level, if you could get something across to them, what would it be? What would you want them to know? You, you, that you know, you need to give me a little more time to think about a question like that. That's a big one, Mike. It's a big one. A it's really a big one. Big one. Um, I think again, and and this is really related to the vulnerability and what I just talked about with having a Joe. But I always tell people the number. I believe the most important attribute in leadership is self awareness. And um, if you don't have people around you, and 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 it's amazing because. I'll just tell you right now, Mike, especially a lot of the highest level guys that I talk to, I'll ask the question. We'll talk about this. Like who's, who is really speaking truth in your life? And they'll give me names or they'll give me a coach that they've worked with or something. And, and I'll watch the dynamic of the team or be able to be around a little bit and watch, you know, and, and it, it becomes really, it becomes really clear, usually pretty, pretty quickly that um, if this is a person that, their career is sitting in the palm of your hand. <laughs> um, it takes a very unique individual to be willing to come to somebody that has not only my career today, but my future career in their hands and look them in the eyes and say, you are being absolutely wrong in the way you're dealing with that person. You can say it's about you want the best for that kid, but you want to win. And that's why you care so much about that kid. I mean, you know, who's someone going to say that to you? And same, same thing in business, same thing in any. And so, you know, probably more than anything is you got to have somebody around you that you feel um, has, has the ability or has the, the um, fortitude to look you in the eyes and, and to speak that kind of truth in your life. And if you don't, um, just understand that you are always walking around always with a, with a significant blind spot. Mm. We all, we all have blind spots, but that blind spot is going to be in proportion in direct proportion to the amount of, you know, to, to the person or people in your life that are willing to actually help you on it. Does that person, is that person typically on their staff or is it usually better if they're outside their organization? Have you found one commonality with guys that have been able to do that? It's such a, again, like I said, I, I think it can, I've seen it on, on both. I've seen guys that have successful relationships within the staff. Somebody they've been working with a long enough time that it's, right. it's, it's a person that's, you know, they're, they're going to speak truth to them. And this person knows that, um, you know, that can be, so it can work. You know, I, don't th- I just don't think there's one size fits all in that case because people are unique all over the place. And so I just always caution. Um, I just always caution individuals and, and particularly in some of the high, high level um, sports teams um, where I've watched it and I've seen, I've seen the disconnect that the head coach can say, yeah, I, I've got this. And then all of a sudden the assistant coaches are operating at this level and nobody, 
I mean, you know, then, then the kids ultimately may come to me and go, well, he says this, but this is what we see over here. And what, how do we handle this? You know, and I'm going, there you go. There's not, there's not a, there's a, there's somebody on staff that should be able to clearly see that. And they probably do, but they won't. And even it may be somebody on staff that needs to be able to go to the head person about the other person on staff and go, wait a minute, this isn't aligned with what we're trying to do. But I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a tough, it's a tough guy. I think it can work a lot of different ways. Um, you know, but, uh, Again, like I said, um, I think I think it's the first step in that is probably really genuinely opening your heart to it and letting whoever else around you that you feel like might be in your life for that reason, really, you know, going to them and asking them genuinely, this is what I need. You know, can you do this? And, um, you know, that's a process. That's a process. It doesn't happen overnight, but that's a, it's a process that's important. Have you met a coach that's done this really well? Somebody that you look at and you go, man, I've worked with them and I admire them so much for how I watch them lead. Has anybody stood out to you like that? Um, there's some, yeah, there's some guys that have, I'll probably, um, I don't, I, I don't want to speak to like the, the, the right. who has the, right. who the person in their life that's talking to them or who has specifically um i can tell you that a lot more don't than do <laughs> um but i know there's some guys out there that definitely do and and there's some guys that that you can see um that you see little signs of not just maybe the what we're talking about like hey this person really has somebody that's speaking truth in their life but little signs that they're just that they are attuned to walking in obedience and um you know just just because there's a lot of popular a lot of publicity around it this week and i just happened to be there a little over a week ago i mean dabo sweeney's a great example of a guy that he gets it he gets it in so many i mean and, and again i'm not you watch the if you watch the how he responds in the tough times i always tell coaches and athletes and this is not any secret but you know, your leadership, your attitude always speaks loudest in the face of tough times. You know, all of us can get fired up for a big game. All of us can, can, you know, have a good attitude and things are great. We can be encouragers or, you know, and we can, but man, in the toughest times, um, what's a level of genuine stuff that's coming out? And I say genuine, you know, and the way he, he handled things and it's been all over Twitter and all the social media. I mean, you know, with his taking responsibility with his congratulating the opposing coach saying, man, I'm happy for you. And to his going into the opposing teams, like, I mean, like there's so much about that guy that he, he really gets it and he gets it deep in his heart. You can tell. So it's a neat thing. Yeah. It's funny because it was so noteworthy because you don't ever see it. It stood out because it's so rare. And really this type of leadership, it really, it's sadly, but it is rare. And I think that's why even when you lead, lead for God's sake, when you see a coach in the story, and I don't, I don't want to give away the story for everybody, but when he makes the transformation he makes because of this janitor who pours into his life, Joe, who takes his life experience and pours into him, it stands, it really does stand out, which is the whole point of why God put us where he put us in the first place. It isn't about us. It's about, it's about for a bigger reason. Yeah. And I think, I think too, I mean, like it's, it's interesting because you can see, and, and often I have this conversation often with, you know, again, business leaders and coaches, people around you can see genuine versus fake. And there are the, there are the right things to say, <laughs> you know what I mean? In, in, in tough situations and in the face of tough times. And it's, and it's almost like I, I, maybe, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm seeing it different, but if you watch ESPN, especially because these guys are on, 
you can watch the responses in a lot of cases and you can you can see when it seems like this person's saying that but who do they really think it's who do they really think is at fault right now what's going to happen at practice tomorrow cuz it's easy for me to say well you know we were horrible and that's on me and then but let me tell you this is you know and and the other example and I didn't I didn't see a lot you may have seen a lot more in this than than me but the Joe Girardi thing um with with that just had you know I mean yep. it was a coach that genuinely it was genuine from from what I understand yep. guys it's on me and I apologize you know I apologize I mean you know from what I heard it was and again I, I didn't even see it I've just heard people tell me about it and then why look at the response because people could see those guys could feel that genuineness of the response on I don't have all the answers. And uh, it's not always like you, like you just said, that's, it's rare. Um, so. Yeah. You know, in the book, you spend a lot of time talking about leading for the heart and really trying to reach a person's heart and to lead from that heart place. How would you describe that Todd? Give everybody a little idea of what that means to be that type of leader. Well, I think, you know, first and foremost is, is, um, um, the, you know, the, the scripture and I I'm, always get this confused. I think it's in Philippians where it talks about, um, each of you look out not only for your own interests, but for the interests of others. Am I right? It's yep. Philippians like four or something like that. But, um, I, I think that's such a powerful, powerful truth. Um, and yet it just gets so, it's so underestimated today to, to when, so when we talk about the heart, it's, it begins with, am I really looking out for their best interest? Now that works in the secular world. That works in any business and in any sports team. For me, because of my faith, I understand that when I'm, when I'm genuinely looking out for somebody else's interest, that becomes a component of what I'm looking out for. In the, in the, you know, in the business world, sports world, secular world, it's still, it's still a good thing to say, Hey, I want, I want whatever, whatever is best for you. But I think the ultimate thing as you, you know, are, are again, as we're talking ultimately about this spiritual leadership and how that relates to leading with the heart. If I really have your best interest in mind, the biggest picture is eternal. And, and I just, I, I say this to young people. I just was talking to a, a young quarterback a couple of weeks ago that was being recruited by major, um, lots of major schools. And we were just talking to him and his parents. And I said, listen, I said, every school that you go to, every coach that you talk to is going to have your best interest on the field at heart. He's going to want what's best for you. He's going to want to bring out the best in you. And, he, and I said, a good percentage of those coaches are going to have your best interest in life as a part of that. And they're going to want you to learn everything that you can learn from the game so that you can apply it in life. I said, there's a small percentage of them who understand the eternal perspective Hmm. and they understand how all of those, (laughs) if you miss the eternal, you're missing the biggest picture of all. And um, that's the ultimate heart of, um, of leadership that Joe understood, you know, very well. He understood it was, it was the, that was the big picture when it all came right down to it. Um, not that those other things are, are obviously bad, but to find, but to bring it full circle, um, man, that's, that's ultimately what leading from the true heart and foundation is all about. That's really good. And man, that keeping that eternal perspective, and it goes back to the word you used earlier, keeping that really does change how we lead day to day and how we coach and how we work with employees or teammates or kids were kids were coaching or even our families. Keeping that eternal perspective really is that that you nailed it, man. That is that is a game changer right there. That is a game changer. What's been the darkest part? You know, even even when we're trying to lead for the Lord, man, there's times we hit walls. There's times that we go, I forgot about the plan or I got off course. What's been the darkest season of leadership, Todd, you've ever walked through or had to walk through? Well, 
Mike, you know, I, I just don't want to be vulnerable here. So never mind. I'm not going to share this. So <laughs> no, no, you know what? Um, man, that's a, uh, th- this has been a long journey. This has been, I-, I wrote the book seven, over seven years ago that I actually released it. And, um, a lot of guys that are doing, and, and here we go back to this, you know, you, you can't help, but compare, you learn from comparing too, obviously, and going, okay, what are the good ones doing that I should be doing? Um, but, you know, it, it's been very, very hard um, to follow this thing. Um, it is a, the story itself, the book itself has been, um, as I'm sure you, you've experienced this, it's, it has a strong faith message. But the, I think the beauty of the, one of the huge beauties of this thing is that it does not come across that way. And it, and and the thing that I, the recurring theme that I hear is it meets you where you are. And so it doesn't matter. A person can be completely like, Hey, I don't, I don't want to read a religious book. I just want to read a book on leadership and they can get something out of this that kind of, no matter where they are, it kind of hits their heart, takes them deeper. So from that standpoint, because of the way this book came out, I never intended to write it as a parable. I struggled to write what I thought was going to be my points and then felt God's clearly going, start over with a short story. When I did that, I feel like he really poured it out. So because of that, there's a part of me that said, okay, this journey is going to be really easy. And what's going to happen is it's going to blow this book up and it's going to sell millions and millions and millions of copies. And I have this young family, but I'll be able to balance because I'll have my own jet. And I'll be able to just fly around the country. I I could leave in the morning and be back at night, and and this is going to be so easy, you know. And um, it, that's not that's not been the journey. The journey it's it's continued to go very very well, and and the book has continued to move. But his way has been just very slow and steady, and it won't go away. It won't stop. But on the other hand, it, it's it, it's not to an extent where I'm, I'm anywhere close to easy street on this. It's like, I have to keep no jet. Going. I'm taking, you don't have the jet yet. No, no jet. No, man. Not even close. So um, I'm still trying to figure out if I can put that third one of mine into college. Um, so, but it, you know, I mean, it does it. You naturally, um, you want to write another book. Um, there's been a lot of talk. I really believe that this is going to be a movie and, and um, so we want to we want to continue to take steps forward in that direction. But you know, finding the balance and being able to do all of that stuff, um, you know, again, I'll go back to saying that this thing. There's a lot of ways that I look at it from a worldly perspective and go, "Gosh, God, if you just if you just have it do this," but that's not been his plan. And and uh, you know, when we're told to, to consider it joy when we face trials, that it's going to it's going to perfect our, our patience and perseverance, ultimately, if, you know, perfecting our faith. Um, there's no doubt. I, I know that that's what he's doing, and i got to stay true to that. Even though, to be honest with you, there are many, many days where I just go, you know, there are a lot of things I could be doing. I think that would be a lot easier than this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the experience is like I, I have them every once in a while. I was on the sidelines. Of the, you know, I, I think I mentioned earlier, I was on the sidelines of the Clemson game a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, I have one of those moments where I really just kind of on my own, I'm sitting there going, man, what an amazing journey you've had me on. And uh, I'm just thankful for that um, and trusting that the best is yet to come. Always That's right. is. That's right. Always well, is. and I'm thankful, Todd, for your obedience to do what God told you to do because you really have changed a lot of coaches lives. And if they hadn't have had that resource, they wouldn't have known. And hearing a speaker say it wouldn't have got them, but reading it in the context of the world that they coach and live in, they got it. I mean, I'm speaking from guys that have told me through that book, man, that, that changed me, Mike. That was a, that was a game changer, you know? And so thanks for your obedience in that because it, it really did really did. And it really does make a lot of difference in people's lives. It really does. It really does. What are you, what's something that you do as a discipline, Todd, that you go, this has helped? Because I think every leader goes, you know, I want to be a spiritual leader, 
but they may not exactly know how to get on track. What, what is a discipline or two that you have incorporated into your life to help you keep that proper perspective, that eternal perspective, as you're leading your organization, as you're out speaking and working with coaches and other leaders? What's, what's, what, are, what is a discipline or a discipline or two that you've instituted in your life that's helped you? Well, for, first and foremost would have to be, I, I start my days off really slow and quiet. And, um, I'm pretty protective of that. I get, I, I think I probably catch some, some slack for that. Cause I don't like doing morning, early, early morning events. I love to do morning events. I just don't like to do them at six o'clock in the morning because, um, not only am I not only always up at six, but when I get up, I like to get up, um, somewhere not too far after that hour and, and spend the first, you know, half hour, 40, you know, half hour, 45 minutes minimum, spending some time in the word, spending some time in prayer and just like slowly getting into my day on what do you have for me here, God? Um, <clears throat> so that's a, I think that's been a really important thing. There's, I, I go through seasons there too, which I'm sure you can relate to Mike. I go through seasons there where it's just like, man, come on, I need to get more here. You know what I mean? Dry seasons. Yep. We're, we're, so, but you know, nonetheless, I've tried to, I've stayed true to that for years and years. And it's been a very important part of my, my growth. Um, the other thing I mentioned to you about the group that I meet with Saturday mornings, that's been a big, that's, that's been a big encouragement to me. The other thing I'll tell you, and it's harder and harder for us to do, but I think we need more and more. We need to do this is, is um, we need to set the, uh, set the cell phone down and walk away from it you know, walk away from the phone, um, more often than we probably do. I just, uh, I've, I've been doing, been continuing to do more and more research on the effects, particularly because as we're dealing with more and more millennials and more situations, uh, whether it's with athletics or even in the workplace. And, you know, a lot of folks right now, a lot of the young people right now, they've it's been 10 years with the smartphone so it's pretty much all their growing up years or at least the vast majority of it and it's affecting us and there's a there's some not so good things going on there and uh so for me you know i've really tried to model what i want my kids to to be do a better job of and that is hey once in a while you just need to shut it off and walk away from it because if you carry it with you all the time you're checking it and you're I mean, it's, it's crazy how, how, uh, how we can get sucked into that just as much as adults as young people. So I think that's an important one to, to kind of just keep in our minds to, to slow down and hear the voice that we're supposed to be listening to sometimes instead of everybody else's voice that's um, part, of, part of a much bigger agenda that's not necessarily, for the most part, not necessarily um, the agenda that I, I want to be swayed by. So well, that's I'll leave good. that, I'll leave that at that, man. That's a good, <laughs> that's a good word right there. And, and, you know, I think I heard a stat the other day, we swipe the phone 150 times a day. We swipe mm-hmm. our phone to check our email or check in, in kids can swipe it 150 times in quicker time than adults. It takes mm-hmm. me about five minutes longer to do anything than it does my kids. And uh, man, that's a, that's a good word. That is a good, that is a really good word there. If people want to learn more about you or your consulting group, or even the book, what's the best way for them to find you online, Todd? Um, there's a, there's a, there's a couple places we have, I mean, there's a, there's a lead for God's sake site. Um, everything's really obviously as you expect they're linked together. They can even just go to my name, which is toddgongward.com. They can go to that one. Um, you know, cardio T that takes you to cardiotg.com. Um, there's a virtual training thing now that we have um for coaches. In fact, I gotta talk to you about that, Mike, when we're when we're off the air more in more detail, because that's something I think you you as much as you're interacting with coaches, that's, that's something that's really gonna be cool to kind of help. Um, it's a conversation starter to help coaches really dig into their leadership and cultural stuff. And it's a all virtual stuff. So but um, but yeah, if you go to any of those sites, you're going to be able to find all the stuff that's out there on me with regards to lead for God's sake and what we're trying to do to encourage teams and 
and businesses and, and just leaders in all walks of life to lead for God's sake. That is really good. Well, we will have links to all those in our show notes that you'll be able to find online. Todd, thank you. Thank you for doing what you're doing and thanks for making the difference you're making because you really are. You are leading for God's sake and you're leaving awake and it's making a difference, buddy. Thank you so much. And thank you, Mike. And thank you for, for the example that you are leading for God's sake too, my friend. I, I watch it from afar, but I, I've seen it for years and, and appreciate you big time, my friend. I hope you enjoyed that time with Todd. Man, that guy is a guy who gets it. And he gets it because he gets the why behind people do what they do. You know, I think in every episode we've had a had a word, and the word I think of with Todd is heart. Todd is all about the heart. If your heart is right and your heart is headed the right direction and your heart is captured with the right motives, you are going to do the right things. If you haven't read Lead for God's Sake, go out today, pick up a copy. You can go to our show notes, learn more about Todd, He's a great follow on Twitter. A lot of his thoughts, a lot of his leanings, a lot of the things he's out there learning. But that book is a must read for every leader because I don't care if you're leading a company. I don't care if you're just leading a family. I don't care if you're leading a small team. I don't care if you're leading 100,000 people at a church. If you forget the why you do what you do and you lose the heart of why you do what you do, you're going to swing and miss. You know, when you go throughout all of Scripture and you look at what God said he was looking for in a leader, you, you remember what he told the prophet? He said, I'm not looking at height or outward appearance. Man looks at the outward appearance. Remember what he said? But God looks at the heart. So how's your heart today? Man, I know just in my 21 years here at North Star, there's been seasons my heart's been really good. Then there's been seasons that I needed a heart check. I needed to go in and and look at the engine room of my life. And I think there's times for all of us, we need to self-examine a little bit and say, man, how am I doing with my heart? Have I lost my edge? Have I lost my love? Have I lost my compassion? Have I lost my way? Have I lost that that season that I want to be in? Because if you lose your heart, you lose your way. And I hope you'll you'll uh, spend some time talking about and thinking about what Todd talked to us about today. Well, our next episode is going to be a fun one. You get to hear from the lady that's known as the female Jerry Maguire. Her podcast, The Game Changer Podcast, is a must listen. Her books, uh, listening to her speak, she is out there getting it done. Her name is Molly Fletcher, and you are going to love our time with Molly. But until next time. I hope you'll go out there today and this week and be the leader that God created you to be. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, go be that leader. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.